The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com. This is Barron's Live. Each weekday, we bring you live conversations from our newsrooms about what's moving the market right now. On this podcast, we take you inside those conversations, the stories, the ideas, and the stocks to watch so you can invest smarter. Now, let's dial in. Hello, I'm Eric Savitz, Associate Editor for Technology at Barron's. Welcome to Tech Trader for Barron's Live, which is a series of conversations about investing in technology. My guest today is my old friend, David Retterman, who is the Portfolio Manager and Founder of Endurance Capital Partners. Uh, David has a long track record in the tech industry, as a uh, first as an analyst, where I first came to know him many years ago. Uh, we won't say how many, it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, and then uh, on the buy side, as a, working as a, uh, in the mutual fund industry and now at a, uh, running his own hedge fund, David, so nice to have you with me today. Thanks, Eric. It's great to be here. So uh, let, let's talk first a little bit about the macro environment for technology stocks. And um, we happen to be uh, chatting on a day when everything looks uh, green and uh, everything is up and to the right. This is a great day for tech stocks. Uh, but this has not been an easy period for tech stocks for a whole bunch of reasons. And let's talk first a little bit about how you view some of the macro factors that have been affecting tech prices, really going back to last fall when things started to get a little rocky. Well, thank you, Eric, and it's uh, it's uh, it's really an honor to to do one of these with you. Uh, so thank you. Uh, uh, technology and 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 growth more broadly defined investor investing has been really choppy and violent. And and I would concur that you really have to go back to mid November when. Uh, Fed Chair Powell uh, signaled that uh, the Fed would be fighting inflation. Um, inflation reports, which have come in very hot, uh, both the consumer price index number um, in January and, and even this morning's producer price index. Uh, and, and that uh, has led to uh, increase a sharp increase in both two-year and 10-year rates. And um, I think as your audience well knows that um, higher rates generally lead to PE multiple compression, and and that in fact is what we're seeing in tech and growth stocks in general. So today's an interesting. Uh, I won't get too. We won't dwell too much on global uh, uh, politics, uh, but the, certainly the market seems to be reacting better today to uh, the situation in the Ukraine. Despite, as you say, it was a very high PPI number, um, and rates are actually higher. So the ten-year is up over 2% again. Market seems to have decided to ignore that for the moment. But this is a this problem is is long lasting, I would presume, right? This is not going away anytime soon. We still haven't even seen the Fed raise rates. There's a there's a a complexity uh, to uh, to equity investing uh, in 2022 uh, that's that's very different from let's say, you know, the COVID you know, 2020 and 2021 period. Um, um, how, you know, the, the fact that as an equity growth manager, I even have to know the name of, let alone pay attention to what the Russian foreign prime minister, you know, says in the middle of the night here in California um, is a statement in and of itself, obviously seriously important. Um, and the transmission of that risk is 
been generally reflected in WTI crude. Um, and as you rightly put out, point out is, is perhaps that risk has mitigated um, a bit, you know, crude's down some 3% and, and energy is underperforming. Mm-hmm. So let, let's talk a little bit about um, your approach uh, to investing in technology stocks. You have a particular philosophy about this. And <laughs> so like give people sort of the big picture view of like where you start, like what's the, what's the, uh, the core principles? That sure. Um, well, well, thanks for that opportunity. Um, the, the, the fund, um, which we launched about 10 years ago, um, is called Endurance. Um, it's named after Shackleton ship. Um, and for those that know the story of the expedition, um, the, the, one of the greatest, you know, open sea ad- adventures, um, um, when, when in fact the ship gets trapped in the Weddell Sea, um, gets crushed and, uh, and really through leadership and persistence, um, Shackleton brings home everyone safely. And, and uh, it, certainly days like, you know, the first, you know, six weeks of 2022, um, uh, it's, it's required a, a lot of, of that um, persistence. Um, what we look for uh, is durable growth. And, and really going back to our New York days, um, where I did my master's thesis at NYU, um, what, what I'm looking for are S-curves. I, I'm looking for, and now being you know, out here on, on the West Coast for you know, some 25 plus years, um, um, entrepreneurial, um, uh, founder-led companies, um, equity finance that are uh, um, building teams to design and create um, products and services that created uh, create large, uh, largely disruptive markets or TAMs, total available markets, mm-hmm. and and that S curve, um, which r- really then is looking for those points of acceleration, largely in the business model because. The, the stocks may over discount those ahead as we saw in the bubble and I'm, you know, bubble tested um, in, in 2000. Um, but, but that growth is been generally um, technology led and, and arguably some of the greatest equity wealth creation in the last hundred years has been created out here on the West coast in Silicon Valley. So give me an example of, of one of those, uh, you know, macro trends that you think are on on the curve that you're excited about right now. Well, well, uh, thank you for that. Um, so, um, cloud compute, um, which is really the the fundamental um, um, uh, change in in compute architecture. Um, when when I started my career in New York at uh, Smith Barney and, and Lehman Brothers, um, and would m- maybe go up to Armonk. Um, it was a time of um, where compute was um, vertically integrated. And, mm-hmm. and the fundamental disruptive shift uh, was when that model got turned on its side. And when um, Andy Grove create, and you know, building the Intel team and the Intel microprocessor, uh, then with um, you know, Bill uh, Gates and, and, and Microsoft and, and the DOS operating system created a computer architecture that fundamentally dislocated mainframe computing and you know the bunch companies but it also dislocated um many computers and you know there used to be a time when uh route 128 around boston you know di- right. data general digital equipment america's greatest tech highway um does doesn't mean it can't happen out here in the valley um but 
um, mini compute was was disrupted. Um, that has evolved to you know cloud compute, um, uh, where now software is as a service, um, and we're going through various iterations of that model. And so, so as as we think about that that part of the uh, that market, so the, the companies that people are most familiar with there tend to be you know, the, the very largest technology companies on earth, right? So we're talking about Microsoft with uh, Azure and um, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud. There's a couple of other players, but those are the main three. Um, and then you've got sort of a set of people who, you know, well, as, as I like to point out that like what cloud computing like consists of largely is servers and, and disk drives and chips and networking equipment. Like it's it sounds ethereal, like it's floating around in, in the atmosphere, but in fact, it's like it's stuff that you need to build it. Um, and and even as recently as last night, um, a company called Arista Networks, which makes uh, uh, networking equipment, which has which is a provider, uh, and they don't, it's not their only market, but they do provide uh, equipment to the cloud business, uh, cloud sector. They reported really good numbers. Uh, we have Cisco coming up tomorrow. There's, there's, so there's a bunch of things that are coming around that it, it have the opportunity to reinforce the storyline. The question from an investment point of view is how do you play it, right? Do you buy Amazon and Microsoft? Do you buy Cisco and Arista? Do you go down a few levels and buy, you know, the chip companies or the storage companies that benefit? Or do you do some of all of that? Sure. Well, uh... Big, big boil the ocean question. But, <laughs> well, you know, that's what you went effect, there. <laughs> no, but in effect, what we're what we're trying to understand is that tech, be, because of its disruptive growth and right. and I would say earnings growth has you know o- over this period emerged to be the single largest uh, market cap weight in this in the S and P five hundred. It's twenty percent of right. the S and P five hundred. And the names that you list have, you know, been given an acronym called FANG. Okay, so you know, you know, Facebook, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, Google, um, and and you know, what's what's interesting to, to me is that every one of those names is down year to date. So right. so that in the context of w- where are we in, you know, fixed income two year now at you know, one spot five, seven. Okay. Which is, you know, up from basically 60 basis point yield at the start of the yeah. year. Um, and, and these were the stocks that, and, and companies with products and services, and you could add zoom, which is facilitating one of these calls and, right. you know, DocuSign because no one would be in person to sign that that's what saved us through COVID. Okay. Like right. the economy still functioned because of cloud compute architecture and services right. that we've all used. But we've got to bring it to stocks and as a portfolio manager, you know, I'm paid to be a maker of money, okay? <laughs> yes. And and so, you know, one of the elements in here in the context of a rising rate environment is, you know, price is what you pay, value is what you get. And so, so the context of, it's not just like, you know, the, what are these products doing good things? Are they growing markets? But right. but what are you paying for that growth? Right. And so uh, what what the market is 
you know, goes through these, you know, factor attribute, um, you know, from growth to value. And, you know, and, and that was yesterday when, you know, you know, WGI was hitting the high and today that risk has come down. And so people are kind of returning to growth. What I look for are the following. I look for gap earnings. That's right. Like gap, generally accepted, not pro forma. Let's pretend that employee stock, let's not pretend that employee stock options, which are very important currency for driving up real estate prices here in the Bay Area and other tech centers. Okay. But that's an expense. Okay. And, and so when you look at real gap earnings that are really on the SEC filings, you really understand what the cost of building and scaling these businesses are. Then we look at another part of the, you know, financial statements that called the cash flow statement. And are those companies generating positive cash flow? And we can take that cash flow divided by the market cap, what the market is going through its fear, greed, hysteria, or mania and paying for equity because we're equity investors right. and get some sensitivity to valuation. In other words, in the context of when the bond market is maybe on its way to a 2% 10-year treasury yield, is there cash flow support underneath these business models? Right. And, and it's really that integration of income statement, cash flow analysis in the context of what are the great products and services that these companies and management teams are building and, and delivering in terms of real gap earnings and real cash flow and real return to shareholders? Right. You know, right. So, 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 right. So are they paying dividends? Are they buying back shares? Are wow. They, Amazing. Right? Yeah. Um, and some of them, some of these guys really are right. So yeah. I Microsoft, mean, it, Microsoft uh, does both. Um, Apple does. Both. Apple buys back astonishing amounts of stock right. quarter after right. quarter after quarter. I, I wish Google would pay a dividend, but it has been, um, you know, very um, active, shall we say, in in stock repurchase, and and so, you know, the the, the share shrink, if you will, you know, um, it's nice to know. It's nice to know that in times of violent volatility that we've seen in tech, and tech in general, you know, was down is down eight percent. That basically Nasdaq S and P. That that I have a CFO that's acting in a treasury function that says. GIC value my stock. I'm going to come into the market and be a buyer to to um, to because I see I see long term returns. That's a very important signaling um, to to I think to a public investor. So so, so in so can give you us can you give our uh, audience a couple of ideas of things in the cloud space that you think are attractive here? Sure, I'll 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 mention a name that's a very important um, core holding and, and reports tomorrow night and and um, and and that's Nvidia, um, which uh, has um, the um, artificial intelligence um, AI chips. Mm -hmm. um, that, um, are, you know, part of the Arista, um, AI, um, spine clusters that were mentioned, uh, last night. Um, and, uh, I'm afraid to ask you what an AI spine cluster is. I, you know, we're, we're moving into orthopedics, you know, in one way or another. um, I think we see, you know, when you say, Hey, Google, um, and you get a response. You're you're seeing that voice to text of what right. what a spine cluster might be doing for you. Right. 
Well, and, and to uh, we, we chatted this uh, uh, before we got on the call, but uh, Nvidia share Nvidia shares are having a very nice day as we speak, and I and as you suggested, some of it may be from the commentary that we heard last night from Arista. I, I think that the, the the market is um, you know looks for uh, you know laterals um, on on earnings calls. Um, that's part of the you know pattern recognition that right. the market tends to set up algos around. Um, but but there's some really inside the model, which is as you know is is part of that. You know, we do bottom up fundamental research um, to understand the modeling dynamics. Where are we getting that S curve? Um, that acceleration uh, in uh, gross margin, operating leverage in the model. So um, data center is, is a very important uh, business unit for uh, NVIDIA, looking to grow 65% year on year. Um, mm -hmm. That's through COVID, that's through supply constraints. Um, um, gaming, which is, which is uh, uh, a very close near 50, uh, of largest uh, business unit um, expected to um, post um, a very strong uh, growth of about 34%. And then I actually think one of the real surprises on the upside is going to be on the auto side, because one of the growth TAMs, in addition to cloud, um, um, we're spending a lot of time is on what I would call the EV economy. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that is the uh, transformation of the transportation industry to electrification. Um, right. I, I grew up in Cleveland, Ohio. Okay, we all have to be from somewhere. Um, <laughs> um, wish the Bengals had won, um, you know, on, on Sunday night. Um, but, you know, th this is a trillion dollar global industry that's going through one of the most radical transformations. And NVIDIA um, is providing um, AI chips, Mercedes-Benz and, and others for you know, you know, just drive one of these EVs, and you understand you're you're really on a in a battery powered wireless computer that 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 has four tires and a steering wheel. I mean, it's 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 an amazing experience. Right. Um, and Nvidia is part of that. But but in addition to cloud, and I would even say the EV economy, we've been focused on the semi side. So so you know, other names where we've seen. Uh, demand on the upside. We've seen gross margin expansion. We've seen operating margin expansion was that S curve, um, you know, through this period that are coming and, and delivering numbers and, and raise guidance as monolithic power um, on semiconductor, um, which is really embracing a very important uh, material science in, in EVs, which is um, silicon carbide, um, because what silicon carbide does is it improves the electronic field strength. What does that mean? It means that you've got more powerful EV motors and everything about EVs um, is range. What's what's my range? Because right. you have range anxiety. I don't, I don't have a gasoline engine. I've got a battery and just like your iPhone, you know, how far can I go on that thing? Right. Um, and so those names participate both on the semi side, both in the cloud architecture but also this, you know, very rapidly growing adoption towards um, what I call the EV economy. Okay, so so uh, in terms of the EV uh, situation, uh, we've had over the last year or two a lot of new participants to the public market. 
um, thanks to the SPAC phenomenon in part, uh, where you've had <clears throat> multiple new players, not just in autos, of course, but in trucks and, you know, all sorts of like things. Um, you know, I was at, uh, I was at the Consumer Electronics Show uh, in Las Vegas in, in early January, and um, it was a weird experience because of COVID, but the, the relevant point here is like I, it, the, the overwhelmingly uh, dominant storyline at the show, aside from COVID, was uh, EVs. Um, there were there were a zillion EV companies at the show, um, U.S. companies, foreign companies, uh, lots of cars to choose from, and and some surprising players. Right, Sony is getting into the market. There's a large Vietnamese auto manufacturer that's getting ready to launch in the U.S. Um, the the obvious way that the 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 U.S. markets have played this most uh, clearly is with Tesla and. Um, and, you know, it's a controversial stock. It is a hugely volatile stock. Um, their CEO occasionally has something to say. Um, right. So so how do you think about Tesla as a stock and and have you played any of the other smaller players? How do you think about the opportunity there? Sure. Well, again, Eric, you know, you, you are a COVID war correspondent. You know, for <laughs> <laughs> I came back without COVID. <laughs> for for traveling to Las Vegas, you know, CES for COVID, and you know, coming back to tell us all about it. Yeah, um, I, I feel like a war correspondent. <laughs> but no, you're you're right. I mean, CES over the years has kind of morphed into uh, a um, an auto show auto show as well. Um, you know, one of the names on the semi side. Um, that had some very important announcements at CES. I, I watched them from back here via Zoom. So thank you for being there. Um, um, is Qualcomm um, right. because Qualcomm um, had some important announcements with General Motors. They had announced with BMW, um, and and you know the the Snapdragon as a you know that wireless connectivity um, that's embedded in in these EVs is is really very important because because as you know, Tesla showed us, um, you know, as as really the, you know, the pioneer, the innovator um, in this space um, is the over the air software updates that that come into your into into your dashboard. And right. the Ford announcement last year, I think it was like May. OK. And then the subsequent announcement and we'll be seeing, you know, Ford Lightnings, F-150s. Um, and the Mach-E, which I actually test um, drive, um, you know, it's kind of like Dearborn, you know, Michigan has discovered Silicon Valley and, you know, right. Detroit is, is moving, you know, really, you know, quickly on this. Um, but, you know, I, I talked about the semi side, which is a, a way of, you know, you know, the, the semiconductors managing the battery management, the powertrains, all the sensors. Mm -hmm. Tesla um, has has been uh, a holding um, of ours. Um, we, we have been um, trimming that back on really the the part of the market growth to value. So we're, we're still in it, um, um, but but not as great a position um, that we had before. I mean, again, um, you know, remarkable job. You know, Tesla shipped nine hundred thirty six thousand units last year um, through COVID. Um, and a lot um, uh, is pr pr projecting 1.5 million, so up 50% in terms of in terms of production, uh, and you know that implies about 50% revenue growth 
um, and and gap earnings of, of nine dollars. But but now the question is, you know, what do you pay for it? And right. and that multiple, even with the stock up today, is a hundred a hundred times PE multiple. Okay. <laughs> so so with with a Tesla, you're in this. Okay. Well, you you have to be looking at it as a PE to growth rate and PE right. to forward growth rate. And that creates a lot of volatility, a lot of beta um, in this rising rate environment. Hence the, you know, either you resize your portfolio position or the market's going to do it for you. So I'd like to be ahead of that curve. Right. Um, but as you point out, um, the the SPAC, which is you know a blank check financing vehicle, and then you go through the D SPAC once the target's announced, and then voila, we discover what the real share count capitalizations are on these companies. And as a institutional investor, that has not always been a happy experience um, to see what the real capitalization of these companies have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and therefore, um, you know, I think you know, case in point. Um, you know, is Rivian that, you know, came public at, you know, $78 a share, you know, some had viewed it as the next big thing. Um, and, um, you know, in, in my opinion, the, the valuation really, you know, w- was inappropriate um, for um, the near term business model, particularly right. when your first product is a truck, which I've seen down in your neighborhood, you know, down in, you know, Palo Alto and, and Menlo right. Park, of course. Um, and, um, y- you know, is, is at, at an infinite valuation and, and scaling up any auto manufacturing is a huge um, uh, cash, you know, cash expenditure. And, and I would put Fisker in, in that in that same in that same class of um, company. They make great product. OK, right. um, but again, we're, we're equity investors. And 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 what are we paying for that growth opportunity? Right. So can I ask? So I'm going to ask you a personal question here, which um, I hope you're okay answering. <laughs> so so um, so you own an EV. Can you talk a bit about the one that you own? I do own an EV. I um, talk about the one. You, I have to, you have to eat your own dog food. Um, so um, I uh, had had wanted to uh, you know have an electric car for for a while. Um, and, um, and so I, I went to the LA auto show in, in November because that to me was really where, you know, the internal combustion cars were going to sort of be there with the electric cars and the LA auto show is now displaced Detroit as the largest auto show. Um, what I, it was, and again, it's kind of a nice place to do field research. Um, the net net of that is that, um, I, I bought a Polestar. Which, by the way, you know, does have a SPAC. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, Gores Guggenheim. You know, they've named. They're going to do. You know, they're going to buy Polestar. But you know, I'm going to wait for the DSPAC process to see what the real share count, you know, right. is all about. Okay, and it's actually trading above ten, but which right. is rare for you know most SPACs. But um, you, you know, the the for me the the most. Um, Notwithstanding the fact that you know I uh, I have zero CO two emissions, okay, and so I'm you know you know doing something good for the planet. Right. Um, the driving experience is extraordinary. Like like just the car alone, the torque is unbelievable in in EVs. And and I'm not a car guy. Like 
like I actually liked Ubers and Lyfts when they first came out because for me, a car is all about getting from A to B. Like that's, it's, I, you know, I know they're enthusiasts, but I, I didn't really care. This, this is really exciting. I mean, it's fun, but, but like you need like, you need like EV math. Like, like it's no longer miles per gallon. It's miles per kilowatt. And I have to like really be aware of that. And then what am I paying for a kilowatt as opposed to, you know, driving right. past, you know, all the gas stations out here and like, whoa, premium unleaded is, you know, 525. Okay. And, and the net net of it is it cost me about uh, 30% of the price to drive to the valley then by charging a car, okay, putting kilowatts in versus, mm -hmm. you know, putting premium unleaded in a, in a traditional internal combustion car to, to drive down to visit companies in the Valley. Right. So, so, so I will, I will say before we leave this topic that I drive a Chevy Bolt. I just, I leased it. I just bought out my lease with, I have brand new batteries. It's like having a new car. Um, I wish it had twice the range, but otherwise it's, it's, it's fun to drive. And you can't buy a new one right now. No, the the range, the, the, and and that's why, like, bring it to you know material science, right? The periodic table of elements, like silicon carbide, is now the composite of the silicon, um, and then you know the chemistry set is you know how much nickel and cobalt do you mix in to to create the battery packs because the the competitiveness is really about the weight of the vehicle. And then the the power and the battery life of these of these battery packs. Okay, so I want we we have um, we're going to go a little bit over here. I'll tell uh -oh. our audience. I'll tell you. Uh -oh. uh, you can't leave yet, David. Um, so uh, uh, so I want to do a, a little bit of a, a this is like a bit of an experiment. Um, so we're going to do a bit of a lightning round here because there are so many good questions from uh, from from our audience here. Um, uh, and I want to like pick up on a couple of them. So sh these are, we'll call them like short answers, um, which for you and I, like all of our conversations, there aren't any short answers, but we'll do the best we can. So, uh, so one is, um, is, is the question that we get on like almost all these calls, which is about Apple. Um, do you own it? What's your current thinking about Apple? And uh, I, I, I do own Apple. Uh, but the waiting on Apple has increasingly taken on a, a, a tactical portfolio balance mm -hmm. um, in the context of something we've not even talked about, um, which is um, um, the role of ETFs in the market, right? Exchange traded funds. In other words, the in in our career, Eric, you know, Passive instruments, exchange-traded funds, are now you know 52, 55% of how you know investors participate in right. equities, right? right? And and so uh, what I increasingly have to be mindful of is then spiders and triple Qs and what the weights right. are, and and Apple being the single largest market cap stock in the market um, can can really um, it's very important in terms of what those ETF flows are doing. And so in the context of when you have this, uh, I'll just call it strategist call um, by some of the street of move from growth to value, 
generally the cues and the spiders tend to be sold and, mm -hmm. and Apple will have volatility associated with that. And so the net net of it, that is that I'm um, significantly underweight relative to the weighting in the cues and the spiders, mm -hmm. but, but Apple as a global consumer franchise brand is extraordinary. Um, right. Tim has been an amazing steward of creating equity value. Mm -hmm. And Apple has been repurchasing stock and actually shrinking the equity base. So they're 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 a good steward of 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 uh, as as an equity stakeholder. So yes, long Apple. Um, and you know you go through periods like we did through COVID, where mo most of the capital appreciation was because of PE expansion as opposed to as opposed to earnings growth. Right. And okay. so those are the those are the those are the dials um, right. that I factor into what the portfolio weighting of Apple is. Okay. Um, a couple of questions about Those another large semiconductor Sorry. company. That was good. That was good. That was, no, that was good. Um, we'll practice. We'll do another one. So, so, um, so, you know, we talked about NVIDIA and Qualcomm, both of which have been very good stocks uh, over the, you know, say certainly last year. Another stock that had a fantastic year last year uh, uh, was AMD. Yes. Um, AMD just closed finally their acquisition of Xilinx. Uh, there was a little flutter around the stock the last few days. I suspect I wrote something about this, that in part it was tied to the fact that this was an all stock deal um, and maybe have caused a little disruption in the stock that's up today. But the, the, the question is, how do you feel about AMD? And what do you think about the acquisition of Xilinx, which is really, a, it kind of changes the complexion of AMD. Some. Well, first of all, Lisa Sue has done an extraordinary job and um to take you know amd you know right down there in santa you know santa clara right that you know had been you know mismanaged okay as a as a franchise was always a you know i always thought that intel kind of kept amd in business so the doj wouldn't you know yeah. Trust. I, I think I mean, there was a widespread perception that, that was true and there was probably some truth to it. Right, right. And and so, you know, let AMD keep their, you know, single digit market share and, you know, PC, you know, you know, chips so that, you know, Intel could, you know, not get busted up. Um, right. But but what a what an amazing transformation um, in I, the latest market share I saw was maybe 25 percent on on the PC client side um, has. Uh, an important roadmap, and I think tomorrow. Look, we've got an Intel analyst meeting tomorrow. You know Thursday. that you know that is going to be very important. Yeah, um, Thursday. Right. Thursday. And, and, oh, I'm sorry, Thursday. Right, Today's Tuesday, Thursday, and and so you know from Intel, the expectations we'll get an update on Sapphire Rapids, which then competes against AMD's uh, Milan um, um, on the server side, and then you know Intel needs a competitive response to AMD. You know, on the PC side as well, um, Xilinx um, uh, as an acquisition uh, seems to um, be justified on the segment floating um, point gate array to 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 really possibly compete even more with Nvidia mm -hmm. um, and um, the the Nvidia architecture, um, not just the GPU, but then the data processing unit in these very large AI, you know, data models. Mm -hmm. So, so um, I, um, I I have generally staked my 
um, position in NVIDIA. Um, to me, you know, AMD um, wasn't as large a position as perhaps it should have been and, and might not have been had NVIDIA not been such a large core holding. But um, it's a, you know, it's a what will you pay PE to forward growth multiple? Any acquisition requires integration that has challenges. Um, and, you know, we'll be, I'm not saying they won't succeed, but, you know, I'm sure they've had time, you know, courtesy of the long legal review, you know, right. to, to map that out. So, so on uh, one other question I have for you about Intel, which is, uh, so just this morning, Intel announced uh, the acquisition of a company called Tower Semiconductor, right. uh, which is not a company that necessarily everybody knows. Uh, Tower Semiconductor is a small contract chip manufacturer. They're like a mini uh, mini TSMC, if you will, uh, based in Israel. Um, it's, you know, Intel, of course, has committed um, tens of billions of dollars, uh, 20 billion to, to build new fabs in your, uh, in your home, uh, homeland in Ohio. Um, you know. I, uh, you know, I, I talked Native to Intel. Ohio. Yeah, I talked to them uh, until the day of that deal. And uh, I was joking with, uh, with the Intel people that I'd not seen people in Ohio so happy since like the last time they be beat uh, Michigan. Um, but, <laughs> but, but, um, but, but, but anyway, the, the, um, this is an interesting deal. I, I, I think it, you know, it's certainly Intel has made it clear. They want to, they want to add more capacity. It does raise an interesting question, which is, um, you know, are there other ways to play that story? I mean, there, there are only a handful of publicly traded uh, contract chip makers. The most obvious one is is Taiwan Semiconductor, but and there are only a couple of others. And I wonder if that's an area that has uh, appealed to you, or if you've looked at it, or maybe another way to play it would be, you know, the equipment um, manufacturers. Uh, well, uh, the the Intel meeting is is going to be very important for exactly what you speak right. about. I mean, it, I don't think it's random that the deal was announced. You know, right. 48, 72 hours before their meeting. It's, right. it's also probably not random um, that when um, Pat recruited David Zinsner, the CFO from Micron, to come over right. to Intel a few weeks ago. So, so what that will large probably be packaged on will be Intel's effort to move into foundry services. Um, and uh, as we've seen um, with, you know, federal you know, support um, uh, through Build Back Better and other initiatives, it's to onshore more chip production, you know, here in the U.S. Um, the Intel announcement in Columbus, Ohio is significant. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, you also have uh, TSMC and, and the CapEx that, you know, they're doing in, in Phoenix and, and related areas. You're right um, that generally the semi cap equipment names have been important part of that you know what goes in the fab story um applied materials also reports you know wednesday after the close yeah, it's um, and you know you know but what we've seen from the likes of lamb and, and you know kla are that there have been supply constraints you know in you know manufacturing this very capital intensive equipment right. to then you know fill the fab so so um, all very important, but all within the context of, uh, you know, who's managing their supply chains the best to be able to then, you know, build and fulfill what, what seems to be very important uh, CapEx demand in the broadly defined area of semiconductor uh, manufacturing.
Got it. I have so many more questions, but I'm <laughs> I'm getting I'm getting the digital hook. Um, so so David, thank you for doing this. We will have to do this again uh, before too long. This was uh, fabulous, and um, you're going to have a busy week. You're going to have a busy day tomorrow. Um, uh, I, just, yeah, no. Wednesdays. Wednesdays is a lot. We've got analog devices, you know, before the the opening, and then we've got the afternoon. Hopefully, it will be happy busy, and you can just sit back and you know listen to the call. Yeah, we'll, and, we'll see and, about that. <laughs> well, thank you all. Thanks, thanks to everyone for being with us today, David. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks so much. Please uh, come back again tomorrow. Uh, yeah. Tomorrow, the um, Quentin for uh, Futrell, who's the managing editor for Personal Finance at Market Watch. Uh, we'll talk to tax reporter Andrew Keshner about what to expect this tax season. That's a happy topic. Thanks for being with us. Be well and stay safe. Thanks very much. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.